Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. So what's going to happen? This is just Joe's thinking. Uh, I think people are going to buy them and turn them into networks. I assume a liberal or a conservative talk radio network. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show right here on the Rock School Radio Network. I'm Joe Burns. You are? Tammy Burns. And we are broadcasting from the campus southeastern Louisiana University after last week's college show. I assumed I should get that out there as quickly as possible. I made my living from the time I was 17 years old. That's when I did my first radio show. Uh-huh. To the time I was, what? Old. About 30 years old. Oh, you were older than there. that, probably. You think so? Oh, yeah. Uh, I worked doing morning radio. I did a little bit of afternoon radio, but on top of that, I was almost always either the production manager or the program director. And why was that, Joe? You made more money. No, you wanted to be in charge, man. I guess that's the <laughs> truth, yeah. And we've had that discussion. Why can't you just <laughs> sit in the background? But you, you made more money not just being a disc jockey. By holding a position at the station, you received not only the cost for on air, but you received benefits is normally what you got uh, by being program director or production director. I was never a music director, and I never understood that because I've always considered myself pretty good at picking what a, a hit will be. And when, yeah. I was, when I was program director, that's really the, the person who runs the radio station. I would always have a weekly meeting with my music director, and I was always of the opinion I could pick music better than he or she, yeah. or I agreed with he or she when it was going to be a song that right. I thought was going to be a hit. And it's, So where's it's, this going, dude? Well, here's the thing. Something nasty has happened to radio. It is the idea of ownership being blown wide open. And we're going to talk about this during the show. What were the rules of radio ownership? It's so easy right now to say radio is having trouble gaining listeners Mm -hmm. and radio is having trouble holding people because it's digital. There's iPods, there's phones, you a put in a lot of different dock. places to get your music, right? Right. Why should I listen to your jukebox when I can listen to mine? And I, I, I truly, in my heart of hearts, don't believe that. I believe if there was a radio station in Baton Rouge or New Orleans that hired jocks all day, yeah, and those jocks talked to you, yes. those jocks took your requests, they did live broadcasts, they brought in the local people, they brought in the local musicians, they broke new music, they did what I consider to be completely successful, what I would, what I would call the payola hour. Right. You're allowed to accept money for playing a record as long as you say that you're doing it. I think the payola hour would be fantastic. You just simply say up 
front, everyone's given us 50 bucks right. to play this song. And then you have something on the web where you, you listen to the song. You go, And it would be a really easy way for bands to sort of say, look, I got a good song here. And there's always going to be trolls. Right. But somebody would. Somebody needs to get some airplay, right? Right. I think more people would do it. So what am I concerned about? I'm going to talk to you about the idea of ownership and a big concern that's on the horizon. Do you ha- or have you ever heard the term uh, the term iHeart Radio? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a a big digital footprint of it. They have concerts and such. Well, iHeart Radio is actually CC Media Holdings out of San Antonio, San Antonio, and you probably know them better as Clear Channel Communication. Yes, I do. They are the largest radio ownership company in the United States. 850 full power AM and FMs across the United States, and they are about to go bankrupt. Are they the largest in the world? Yes. They are the largest single owner of radio broadcasting stations in the world. Why? Because we've allowed them to become it, and that's what's wrong with radio. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. Mm, That's where it started. Yes, it is. That's where it started. So today And I'm a Reaganite, and I hate that about him. You, Roseanne Conservative. Now I'm really angry. Okay, well, what we're going to talk about today is the the bankruptcy, why it's happening, and what effect it's going to happen, uh, it's going to have on media and i know what people are going to say i never listen to the radio it won't touch me yeah it will yes it will yep oh yes it will you may not listen to the radio but something like 80 83 84 percent of people in the united states do so the question is how are they going to get out of bankruptcy if they get out of bankruptcy what does it mean to the ownership of radio and blah 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 and i've spoken way too much in this first break so let's play songs that have the word radio inside of them wall of voodoo I'm on Mexican radio, man. The Border Blasters here on Rock School. Holding, also known as iHeartRadio, also known as Clear Channel Communication, the largest ownership of radio stations in the United States, 850 plus AM and FMs, is going bankrupt. Why? Because they owe $20 billion in debt. They that what they did is they used borrowed money in order to buy the licenses of all of these radio stations, right. and they were then not able to make payments uh. on the interest that was borrowed in order to buy these stations. So how how long have they been in debt for since the moment? I, I they don't were created. I don't. No, 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 not that. I don't know how long they've been in debt. But the concept was that what they were going to do was make money with their with their radio stations. See, here's the thing: it used to be, and we're going to get into the actual numbers, and that's really what the basis of the show is going to be. But it used to be that you could only own so many broadcast facilities across the United States and in any one market. Only so many. That was according to the FCC. The FCC then began, like you said, under Reagan, loosening and loosening and loosening 
the restrictions of what it took to buy a broadcast facility. Right. Not, not just radio, but television as well. Also, when satellite radio came around, those that were trying to buy radio said, now, wait a minute, a satellite radio station has a footprint that covers the entire United States. And your rules, FCC, that stop me from buying as many radio stations as I want right. makes me a disadvantaged business, if you will, to satellite radio because I want one in Seattle and San Francisco yeah. and Iowa and, and Texas you know, and yeah, on the East Coast. Exactly. Keep yep. going across the United States. And slowly but surely, it opened up. But here's the thing. It used to be that if you owned in any one market, and I'll use Baton Rouge, Louisiana as a, as a, a sort of an example. In Baton Rouge, there are eight licensed radio stations. Right. Now, you can get more stations because they're coming in from New Orleans. They're coming in from Hammond and what have you. Right. But the fact that the license is in Baton Rouge, eight. Eight. There are only two owners. So that means one group owns four, one group owns four. It may be five and three. I don't remember, but the fact still remains. Right. There are two owners. So what radio stations were doing was creating this idea of sort of a jukebox. So what would happen is you'd walk into the station and there's, there's an ownership like this downtown in the little town we live in named Hammond where you walk around the building and there are four radio stations, five radio stations, six radio stations under the same roof. Right. And a machine, a computer, is playing the music. There isn't a human being there. You might have a human being in the morning on sort of your flagship station, but the remainder of it is done by a computer. And what that did by getting rid of the disc jockeys, by getting rid of the human element, you saved enough money... That if you only got so many advertisings, if yeah. you will, you still made a profit. You could pay for it and make a profit. Right. You didn't need to pull in as much profit because you didn't have to pay disc jockeys. You didn't have to pay people. So what you have is this ownership bonanza where in any one market I own... Six, seven, twelve. I can't own twelve. You can only own eight in each market. It's called eight infinity, and we'll tell you what that means in a minute. But all I have to have is either a satellite-fed morning show and then a machine that plays it the rest of the day. Now, I'll bring in pretty voices like mine or yours, and we'll pre-record the time and pre-record the weather. Cut some commercials. Cut a like commercial that. or mm-hmm. two. But still, it's a computer playing it, and a computer doesn't need to have... A salary. It doesn't need to have benefits. Oh, so, my. So radio was able to make substantial profits by not having to sell so many advertisements. The problem is it caught up. People are not listening as much anymore, and the advertisers are not as bonanza as they used to be. Thus, in debt. You understand the problem? I totally. Pretty straightforward. Let's play another one. This has got to talk about radio. Ramon, do you remember rock and roll radio? Gosh, I do. Back in a minute here in Knoxville. This is rock and roll radio. Come on, let's rock and roll with the Ramon.
This is Rock and Roll Radio. Stay tuned for more rock and roll. Coming out of the Ramones. Now, I said that iHeartMedia was in bankruptcy. You know it as uh, Clear Channel Communication. The second largest radio ownership company in the United States is yeah. Cumulus. They went bankrupt last year. So they're attempting to move things around. And CBS Media merged all of their radio stations into something called Intercom in an effort to stave off bankruptcy again. So broadcasting across the board is inside of bankruptcy or at least attempting to protect itself. And I think I explained last break the idea of you didn't need that much profit but as soon as the idea of that much profit is defeated, you're in trouble. So, what is bankruptcy doing for them? What, where are they, and and what are you know? What does that mean? Bankruptcy is either under uh, Chapter 11 or Chapter 13, and this is actually a chapter inside of the tax code. And I'm not sure which is which, but one of them, they both allow you protection from your creditors. One of them just simply wipes your debt. I think that's 13. Don't hold me to that. 11 then allows you through the courts to restructure your finances, if you will. Set up a payment plan and what have you. Remember one time when we were, we were very early married, about two years in? Uh-huh. I couldn't pay off a credit card that I had bulked up too much. And what the company allowed me to do, they canceled the card, but what they allowed me to do was go on a payment plan and it took me, I don't know, months to pay the thing off. Well, that's what bankruptcy does. It allows you through the courts to set up a restructure and start paying people back. It may even set it up so, look, there's $20 million in debt, but let's do 50 cents on the dollar. What do you say? Oh, and okay. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so why are we in trouble? The FCC Act of 1937 suggested the radio dial was not big enough to support everyone. I mean, the whole world wanted a radio station. Right. The problem is you have to have radio stations on the dial a certain number of frequencies apart or they begin bumping into one another. It's one of the reasons the FRC was created, the Federal Radio Commission. Their whole purpose, this is before the FCC, right. their whole purpose was to place stations on the dial so they didn't bump into one well, another. Well, you didn't want mom and pop people broadcasting from their homes popping into regular radio stations, right? They did anyway. They did anyway? Sure they did. Um, those, those silly Mr. Microphones uh -huh. from the 1980s, they came, I think, with four frequencies, and you, really? you then moved it to a frequency that didn't have a radio You're station. Kidding. It no, was that strong. Kidding. It was that strong. Be back to pick you up later, good looking. A friend of mine at. You don't think that's funny? That was part of the commercial. I get it. Hey, good looking. I, we'll be back to pick you up later. Thank you. A friend of mine uh, that worked in radio, you know him. He was the guy that played the tape when I proposed to you yeah, over the radio. He's the guy who had stolen enough out of right. the regular radio station <laughs> right. to build his own. Every time we did a live broadcast. Yeah, he stole a piece of equipment. Well, not that, but every time we did a live broadcast, he we were all in tuxedos. Yes. And he was slowly but surely stealing a tuxedo. That's true. He stole a tuxedo off. <laughs> So he'd hand right. it back without the vest. Right. Then he'd hand it back without the cumberbund. He didn't the think cumberbund. they would miss one piece at a time. <laughs> right. he it was, didn't matter if his matched or not, right? I think he was a coat and a shoe away from <laughs> having his own tuxedo. But, <laughs> but what he did was take little Mr. Microphones and yeah. equality to that, and he put them all on a single circuitry board, and he 
wired them together. So this little, I don't know, eighth of a watt became 10 watts, became seven watts. And he broadcast out of his bedroom. And I remember I did voiceover work for him just for fun, you know, serving Green Street, Main Street, and most of downtown Utica. And a whole lot of corn. And a whole lot of corn. Yeah, yeah, he he set that whole thing up. Nice. But anyway, back to what we're doing. The FCC Act of 1937 suggested radio was not big enough. So what they did was created this thing called the Rule of Sevens. The Rule of Sevens said... You may own, you rich people, you may own seven AMs, seven FMs, and seven television stations. But, but. in any one market, yeah. Cleveland, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Detroit, what have you, uh-huh. in any one market, you can only own one station. And the purpose was to spread around ownership. Yeah. Yeah, that's the concept. That's where it started. That's Now, there's something in there called the duopoly rule. Eh, I don't want to get into that because it kind of plays around with what we're doing. And it's it's kind of one of those where students look at me, you know, slack-jawed. Uh-huh. Now, we got to play another song. We'll come back and talk about what starts to happen with the idea of owning radio stations and why it's starting to go to heck and how it can really be turned around. So, did you never get my piece of paper? What are we going to play here? Turn me on. I'm a radio. It's Joni Mitchell here on Rock School. Driving into town with the dark cloud above you Dialing the number who's bound to love you Oh, honey, you turn me on I'm the radio It says forget it But your heart's still smoking Call me at the station into the first break. So right now we're in the 1940s, early 1950s, and the rule of radio ownership is 777. You can have 7 AM, 7 FMs, 7 TVs, but in any one market, 111. That sounds like a fantastic drink. 777. I don't even know what it is. 777. Seagram 7, 7 up, and I don't know what the third 7 is. Uh, Seven ways. Seven more shots of 7 and 7. Good. Seven Kevin Bacons. In 1985, 777 was dropped for the rule of 12s, and nobody gave a care because it was basically 12, 12, 12. You could own now nationally. 12 a.m., 12 FM, 12 television, but in any one market, 111. And furthermore, there was this 25% rule that stated if your AM, FM, and television combined had 25% of the audience, one-fourth of the audience, which meant, and this is what really upset people, gosh, I'm really successful. Yeah, man, but you're three broadcast facilities carry 25% of the audience. Yeah. you got to sell one off. <gasps> yeah. See? Oh. That's where people got upset. Yes, indeed. In 1992, the 12-12-12 rule became 18-18-12. Now you can figure it out. 18 AM, 18 FM, 12 television stations. And then later on, I guess it was two years later, 1994, uh, it became 2020 which meant even more ownership. But still, in each market, one, one, one. And that, to me, seems fair, yeah. if you will. 
Here's the problem. The tele the Telecommunication Act of 1996 set no national limit on radio station. Owners, and, and this is, I think, because of satellite. I think I said that in the first break. The people who wanted to continue buying radio stations, and remember Jimmy Swaggart for a while? He yeah. was asking for five grand. People, He said, please give us yeah, five grand. five grand would open up a radio station. Right. Yes. Every five grand would open yes, up a radio station. Right. And because of the Telecommunication Acts of 1996, he could buy as many as he darn well pleased. Go for it. Now, the... The Telecommunication Act of 1996 created something called 8-Infinity. And what that meant was in any single market, you can own 8-AM, 8-FM, 8-Television, and nationwide, Infinity. Does that make sense? No. You just keep buying and buying and buying. And two groups took this to heart, one being Clear Channel Communication yeah. and one being Cumulus. And right now, both of them are in bankruptcy restructuring, which begs the question, why? And then, what's going to happen? Do you know the answer? I have my theories, which is what we're going to talk about. I believe we have somebody listening to us here on said radio station. Go well, ahead. Well, that would be K... Oh, who is... Which one am I going to do? That's the one in Lafayette. Oh, yeah, KNHS, there Lafayette, Louisiana. Now, that's a high school slash college radio yes, station. Yes, it is. And that's where you're going to find most good radio. Yeah. These things, this is why rock school exists. Right. College and high school radio are people really playing the game, doing the stuff. And when you turn it on, it's people really trying to entertain you. There's uh -oh. a, a radio station down in New Orleans called WWOZ, and they still have jocks all day long. People trying to entertain you the problem is they're not the majority anymore and that's one of the main problems with radio we got to take a break back in a minute here on rock school Coming out of the break, you asked me, what does bankruptcy mean? And I'm only going to tell you what I think and also what I have found online. Forbes magazine, well, Forbes Online, their magazine online, states, expect a large sell-off of radio stations, mostly underperforming stations. So if you got 850 stations, uh -huh. you can look at each one of your markets, markets and then say, okay, this one isn't working, this one isn't working. This There's really only about 15 radio formats. Right. So, so if you have in any one market, like in New Orleans, the number one and number two formats are what they call urban uh -huh. and urban AC. So, I mean, let me translate that for you. It's music made by African-American people and then music made by African-American people who are older. Okay. That's AC means adult contemporary. Yeah. So one's for the kids and one's for their parents. Right. That's what the two radio stations are. Okay. And they literally own the market. Now, there are 17 licenses in New Orleans. I might be wrong. It might be 14. But anyway, it's in the teens. And that means of those two that are just kick and tail, the lower stations aren't. So let's sell those off. So my question is, okay, that makes sense. If we get rid of these stations, we don't have their debt. Okay. But the problem is now there are radio station call letters and radio station 
um, frequencies just floating just out floating there. floating around in the right. air, and I'm going to go buy one. Good luck. Good luck, because you're up against those who are willing to snap those up for nothing. Now, low on the dial, you, I don't know if you know this, but there's this kind of thing about the left of the dial. Yeah. You know, the DIY music and uh, replacements and things like that. Yeah. Left of the dial. That's all the music that's way down, you know, 91 and below. Yeah. Them's the college stations. Right. Them's the nonprofits. Them's the cool stations that really are kicking tail. Okay. The higher up stations are going to be able to broadcast. Right. They're 50,000 watts. They're 25,000 watts. They're, they're booming. Not, right. They're not 1,000. They're a 100,000 watt flamethrower. All right. So those are going to get picked up by companies. So what's going to happen? This is just Joe's thinking. Uh, I think people are going to buy them and turn them into networks. I assume a liberal or a conservative talk radio network. Really? A liberal or conservative. I can see the NRA picking up a ton of the radio stations and creating a national NRA channel. When you laugh, an NRA channel, it already exists. Go to Roku and look it up. There's an NRA channel with Hmm. NRA programming. Really? That's what I'm thinking. Some group is going to pick this thing up. You don't think up. a lot of religious groups are going to pick it up? And, I, would, I would like and that. And do, you know, church I would like all that, day long kind of thing? I would like that thing. 10 times better. We used to call that pay for pray. <laughs> we did. Sundays yes, were indeed. Sundays were very profitable for radio. That's right. Pay for pray. And what was wonderful about churches? Uh-huh. They paid. Yeah. There was a check that showed up and Father, whomever. That's right. Was letting you have it and come. You know, Eight o'clock. Absolutely. Sure. And then the end the end of the service always got cut off by the commercial that came on. Terrible. I So you never knew how to get to heaven or hell because it was all cut off at the end. At one of my radio stations, this 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 group, this this Christian group, um, they would always start their broadcast with the Lord is blessing me right now. And he'd get the whole group singing. Oh yeah. And he could never Look at a clock, the preacher, whatever his name Ew. was, Father, who cares? He was just this firebrand guy, and it was always fun to listen to him. He was good. But here's the problem. He never looked at the clock. Right. He only paid for half an hour, so I had, oh. no, I had no choice but to cut him off. And it was almost invariably, and here's the thing the Lord wants you to remember. <laughs> now, remember this. The Lord has told me to tell you to remember this. This has been the hour of power. With the, I had to cut him off. I had no idea what the Lord expected me to do. No, no one knew how to get to heaven. <laughs> All right, we got to take it. It's your him. fault, man. We got to play a song here. We're going to be way off time. Radiohead, not Radiohead the band, Radiohead by Talking Heads. A lot of different heads in that drama. Big on Rock School. The Lord is blessing me right now. It really was wonderful. I made like time and a half on a Sunday yeah. because no one wanted to work Sunday, but pay I was for, a pay for pray, right? Right. I was a dumb college student and I was more than willing to babysit a board while doing pay for pray. I just remember them being on number forty seven. 
of the patch bay that was near the uh, transmitter. Yeah. All I had to do is take a piece of one of these, you know, cords, plug it into 47, and then plug it into the on-air thing. And they had a telephone line that came directly from the church. Right. Yeah. And they'd pay me money to sit there and listen to this guy. And again, you know, and God said, and don't forget this, boom, you've been listening to the Tower of Power. No one ever knew how to get to heaven in that area. No, apparently not. Here we go. It's time for 7 Days, 70 Seconds. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Here are those dates, April 9th all the way through April 15th. You got Monday, go. April 9th, 1860. Au Claire Lune is the first recording of the human voice. April 10, 1970, Paul McCartney claims the media uh, or claims to the media, he's done being a Beatle. Ooh, April 11th, 1983, Dave Mustaine is kicked out of Metallica because of his drug and alcohol addictions. He will almost immediately form Megadeth. I'm sorry, is Dave Mustaine a cow? Well, I just said, Au Claire de la Lune. Oh, well, I give you the hard words. April 12th, 1974, The Who begin filming Tommy. And April 13th, 1994, Billy Joel and Chris. Brinkley announced they are separated. Oh no, those crazy kids. April 14, 2005, John Fred Gourier, who was also John Fred and his Playboy band, had a number one hit with Judy in Disguise with glasses, dies at age 63, and by the way, I teach at Southeastern Louisiana University. John Fred went to Southeastern Louisiana University. And then finally, April 15th, Tax Day, 2017, Alan Holdsworth who influenced John McLaughlin, Eddie Van Halen, Carlos Santana. He dies at age 70. Now, we're talking about the idea of the bankruptcy of iHeartMedia. And I have two friends. When I was in college, a lot of people were doing it. We called uh, ourselves radio rats. And if we weren't eating or sleeping or maybe in class, cut, 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 we were at the radio station. Only two people that I remember from my college days are still doing it. John, he's up in Burlington, Wisconsin, and also uh, a young lady. He's not in Burlington, Wisconsin. Not he's Wisconsin. In Ver- he's in Vermont. Burlington, Vermont. You're correct. Uh, also, uh, Jenny, who is also doing radio up in West Virginia, and they're killing it. And the reason they're killing it is because they're not up against other people. John freely admits this. He's not up against other people. He's up against a computer. So it doesn't take a whole... Now, he's very good. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't take a whole lot to defeat the computer. So what we need to do is play another song. We'll get out. We'll talk about what John does. Tom Petty, the last DJ here on Rock School. just remind me of a guy that I worked with. I don't want to say his last name, but Gary. Yeah. What a guy. 
he really was the most annoying human being oh, alive. Yes, indeed. But he was excellent on the air. Yeah. So what you did is you sort of accepted that he was a complete jerk and just, you know, okay, but get on the air, man. We knew a lot of those people. Yeah, we did. Okay, I told you a buddy of mine, John. Uh, John works up at Cool 105, WKOL Burlington, and he was... I don't know how you say it, uh, used, talked to, cited, what have you, in a Forbes magazine titled, There's a Right Way to Run Radio Stations. Here are the 10 smart tips. And again, by Ford. John, my buddy, I did radio with him for hmm, three years, like that. He was my boss for a year, and I was his boss for a year. Here's the thing. It's so easy to say that radio is dying because of digital, because of podcasting, because I can time shift and all that. And I do not buy that. I don't buy it one bit. Okay. I truly believe in Baton Rouge or New Orleans. And in New Orleans, I would do I would do an urban station. In Baton Rouge, I'd do a classic rock station. Only because of what the uh, ratings say right now. Uh-huh. If I could hire a staff... Not not some satellite morning show, but a morning show who talked to us. And then a real person in the midday. I'd put a female voice in the midday. Right. In the afternoon, I would put another team. I'd have two morning shows, one morning and one afternoon. But the afternoon show is not a morning show. You know what I mean. I want two shows because you're in your car and I want you. And then at night, I want some guy that's going to talk to kids I want some guy or some woman, I don't care, who talks to kids. And then overnight, you're in Baton Rouge in New Orleans. How many overnight human beings are there working in... A lot. Working in factories, working in what have you. Cops, people, nurses, what have you. Right. Talk to them. We had a great overnight guy that had a journal of people that listened to him. I know I could crush a market. I know it. So here's what John suggests, and he's completely right. Create... Unique identities for your station and the and be local, 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 local. Because right now radio isn't local. People don't see radio stations as a local entity. Right. They see it as some unseen force that plays music that seems to be picked to not offend me rather than push me. And that's one of the things I would do if I had a station under my belt. I would push you with music. I would try tons of new local people. But what if the song sucks? Well, then the song sucks, and we move on to something else. Right. But it's local. It's your people. You know what I mean? I do. And there's something to that. We're all New Orleanians, and here's a New Orleans band. Well, I don't like them. Well, guess what? I got another one coming, and I would have every one of them into the studio. Talk to me. Tell me these things. What's it all about? I'd have people. I mean, I do dances. I do all kinds of stuff. I'd throw back to 1950, and I'll make you bet I'd win the market. Bet, bet, bet. You know what? Yeah. I bet you would. I'll bet. Yeah. It also says here, lose the grip. Issue micromanaging and let your jocks go for it. That's what I'd do. I'd hire disc jockeys who I trusted. You know, don't, don't, look, don't do a burping contest at 3 o'clock in the morning with your girlfriend, which, by the way, I caught somebody doing. But run a show. Uh-huh. Have, within parameters, run a show. Pick your music. Talk to people. I could win it. I know I could. Who else is listening to us? Well, that would be KRFY in Sandpoint, Idaho. I'd put myself in the morning. Why? In Sandpoint, Idaho? Because I like to go to bed early. Back in oh, a minute. Oh, gosh. On Rock School. 
Last break here on Rock School, and we got to move along just a little bit. Here are a few statistics that, once again, people who may get a hold of those radio stations that are sold off should know. There are only four owners that hold half the listeners, and top ten owners have almost two-thirds of the listeners. That's a problem of conglomeration. Too many people owning, or too few people owning too many radio stations. Right. The localness of radio is gone. Also, just 15 formats make up three quarters of all commercial programming. It's a ton of overlap. It's that idea of how many times can we play In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins? Well, why would we play that? Because research has shown it won't upset your audience. Your audience will go, oh, that's vanilla and acceptable. Right. And it's crap. It's nothing. Yeah, you need to push your audience. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to turn us off. They'll come back. They'll come back because you have guts. And I, I really believe that. I Multiple times, I would play songs. I, I really wish I could have had success with the Indigo Girls. I really like them. But I would jam them down audiences' throats. And when they said, no, that's fine. They'll come back. They'll come back. The only time I really caught heck for playing an artist was Sinead O'Connor. Remember when she ripped the Pope in half? Yes. I continued to play her. And people just gave me heck up one side and down the other. And the general manager overrode me. He said, you got to pull her off the air. Okay. See, I'm of the opinion you can't get hurt by what you don't play. Right. And you can't succeed with what you do play. Or you can succeed with what you do play. So... That idea of, you know, he's not playing Sinead O'Connor. Well, he's not playing it when you're not listening. That's the idea. It says here that niche formats, classical, jazz, Americana, bluegrass, new rock, which, by the way, hold audiences, are only being done by exclusively smaller stations. And radio listenership has dropped 22% since 1989. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you as I stand here, you put out a good show. Like this, Rock School. Oh, you're so big-headed. No, no, no. You put out a good show where people are really doing radio and really trying to teach and really trying to force an audience and make the audience think people will listen. There's a reason why we have ten to 12,000 downloads per week. And what because about, this is different. What about the millenniums? They want, you know, they want romance and all the old stuff, right? Yep. You need people who will speak to them. They're well. They're yeah. gonna. They're gonna have to go back and decide that radio is a good thing. Exactly. And you're gonna have to take radio and podcast it because mm-hmm. they want to listen to it when they can listen to it. But That's the right. fact still remains: run your radio station. Take the morning show, turn it into a podcast. Have it up a half an hour after it's over. Take your Look, midday show, do it. The station I listen to, mm-hmm. I'm always two or three days behind. There it doesn't go. bother me at all. Yep, burp. So there you go. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're even going to sell off radio stations. It could be that their bankruptcy restructuring fixes it and they go forward. It just means they're going to run out of money in five years. You think the government's going to step in? Yes. Yes. I do. It may not be pretty, though. There is a real good chance radio could come back and come <gasps> back hard. And if it does, call me because Ooh. I can I can program Ooh, your station. Like. I, I've never finished less than third in a market. Never. And I've won a ton of them. So call me. Love to do it. Cleveland, here we come. Cleveland. You want to live in Cleveland? What, to do radio? Yeah. Will you do radio? Yes. Absolutely. You really want to live where it snows? I'm Joe Burns. I'm the warm Tammy Burns. <laughs> That'll do it. Glasses <laughs> dismissed.